Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winner Winner Chicken Dinner Show. I hope you are all doing well here on a Wednesday evening. How y'all doing? We've got Krista here, and Black Cat's Poppy, and Desi's butt, his whole butt, uh, is here for the show. Uh, always appreciated. <clears throat> How's the week treating you all so far? Both both cheeks, double cheeks. He's got he's a two 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 cheek feller, so he's rocking it. Um, this fool's life is also here. This fool's life, great to see you. Thank you so much for stopping in. Uh, you will see today that I do have my yeller glasses on, um, because I think I'm I'm trying I'm gonna try to get to bed at a little bit more of an earlier hour today, um, even though post show. What may potentially happen is I may go stream a little bit of some video games and just fuck around and bullshit a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's why I have the glasses today. And I also figured it makes me look a little more studious for the narration portion that is going to come up in the second half of the show. So I hope you're all excited for that. Dude, that's a cool effect. I like how when I turn sideways, the glasses, the filter, like, doesn't know what to do with them. And it makes it look like some weird Star Trek shit. King Dinosaur is also here with an hola, salud. Salud. Desi's butt also says that he likes some blue light filter glasses. And originally thought that they were a total scam... But boy, was he wrong. Yeah, they, they really do work. They really seriously work. Talked about these before. These are great. They're cheap. They're lightweight. Um, they, really, they really do add some comfort for uh, working on a computer. Um, so I recommend them a lot. <clears throat> but... Um, Desi says, yeah, they do. My eyes and head don't hurt at the end of the day and doesn't feel as tired either. Fantastic. Yeah, they, they fucking they work. They really do work. Um, one other thing that I may be working on, um, possibly uh, with the help of Dr. Perry Falls, is getting some sound and video commands working. Don't 100% know uh, if I really want to get into a ton of that yet. You know, as you're talking about before, a lot of people have borders and all sorts of other stuff uh, for the backgrounds and all that. Um, you know, I do think it adds some nice shit to have some scrolling stuff and all the rest of that. But I don't know how much I want to spend just like fucking and farting around with more streaming stuff. Since I think for the great majority of the rest of you, you're here for this. So as long as the audio is pretty clean and the stream doesn't fucking drop like it has been the last couple of days, I feel like that's the most important thing to you guys. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see about that. I did like sort of adding this new background and the little you know podcast version thing, even though you can't quite see it so great. Actually, what I should do is just take that and move it up there. Actually, I think that's better. Uh, done. Set. Settled. Leave it up there. Cool. Cool, I'm with it. 
So how are you all doing? Uh, up to anything fun or whatever today? Um, I had some family that was in town, so I spent uh, some time with them. Um, had a great chat uh, with, a, with an old friend of mine. Did that for a while. Uh, built a little, well, most of the little bit of a Lego motorcycle. Um, oh, wait, King Dinosaur has a news. King Dinosaur, please share us the news. I'm excited. Well, King Dinosaur is typing out the news. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of nice to just sit and do this little, uh, do sort of this little. Um... Oh, tomorrow he's getting the proof copy of his book. <gasps> Holy shit, dude! That's awesome. Awesome. Seriously, I truly mean that. Um, then just make some corrections and it will be out. We're going to pimp the shit out of that fucking book. We need to do uh, a fucking, I don't know, uh, Instagram. D dude, we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to fucking pump this fucker up. We need to pump this fucker up. Get on Twitter, interviews on Twitter, videos. Let's get you on some websites. Let's get you on some articles. Let's get you on here. Let's get you on this son of a bitch. We'll do a Skype call or something. Do a guest, do a guest spot. Um, like I say, uh, I don't quite know how I would do it on Instagram Live. You'd have to have Instagram. I don't know if you have Instagram or not, but um, if not, you should. I know it's an annoying platform, but for stuff like that, it's actually pretty cool. Um, you know, you can do live videos and talk about stuff on there. We could do a Twitter space. We could do a Twitter space. Uh, I know you have Twitter. We could do a Twitter space and do a Twitter space sort of interview and talk. But, you know, for those of you who may not know, even though it's there occasionally from Nightbot, um, King Dinosaur has written books. Uh, he wrote a book called Ghosts on the Highway, which is fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend you grab a copy of that and read it. It's uh, very well written. It's a lot of fun. Got some cool concepts and scenes in it. So absolutely check that book out. We've done some narrations of some of the rest of the posts that he's done um, just here on the show, which are always uh, incredible. So yeah, King Dinosaur, man, that's exciting. Um, hoods off to you, dude. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty fucking great. Yeah. Push it on Colfax. Look, uh, I'll, is it going to be, uh, paper copies? Um, Amazon, where, where can we get it when it's out? You know, I, I know that's a little ahead of the game, but is that going to be printed? Is this going to be on Amazon? Like if it's going to be printed, I'll, I'll buy a, I'll buy some copies of it and just give them out and around downtown. Um, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I'm all about you. I'm all about all the rest of you. So if you ever have anything like that, you want to share, pimp, promote, talk about, discuss, uh, let me know. Like I say that, that that's the sort of stuff that I'd love to do uh, on this platform. So yeah, absolutely. thousand percent. Black Cat says, ah, I'll stand on a soapbox. 
the f- what the fuck is a soapbox? <laughs> It'll be on Amazon print and probably Kindle later. Actually prefers print books. I do too, but as of course you know, uh, missing out on the digital distribution, whether it's Kindle or Amazon, you know, so many people now use that. I mean, what's nice about the printed book is you can sign some copies and do whatever and leave them out and around, um, you know, just for some exposure in that regard. But uh, yeah, dude, got to get you on the show. We got to get you on the show. We're going to, we're going to make this, uh, we're going to make this a big thing because I, I know how hard you've worked on this. I've been looking forward for a long time. You know, if I didn't really, really believe, um, in your writing and your craft, you know, I, I, I would be, Oh yes, your new book is out. Wow. Congratulations. Very nicely done. But I wouldn't go to the level I'm going to, so I truly believe in it. Um, ton of your uh, sales were on Kindle sales. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally 100% believe that. So is there anything um, anything you can tease us about with this book? A general overview of what it's about or anything? Uh, no no, too much pressure if you don't want to share that now. Uh, I get it. I understand. We can always talk about that some other time. And not to uh, take away it all from King Dinosaur's Thunder or announcement, but we are in the second half of the show today going to continue where we left off with um, Cry From Afar, uh, the little sort of novel that I've been working on. I did write a few pieces of that while I was on the plane uh, flying back. I don't 100% know if I'm going to keep them. But uh, we're going to read and narrate them anyway. And what I would love is I would love some, any feedback, thoughts, conjecture, whatever it is. Uh, The more discussion around a thing like that, I think, um, makes me happy, spurs my creativity. As people ask questions and things about that, it gets my brain and dopamine and juices flowing. Um, It spurs me to really work on it. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. King Dinosaur says short stories, each one different from the next runs from horror to mild fantasy to disturbing real life tale. All strange. The title is strange stories for weird people. Awesome. Awesome. Dude. In, 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 we're we're gonna get it. We're gonna get all over the fucking horror community on this too. We gotta tap kinky horror into that. We gotta throw out some shit to Joe Bob and Bad Techno and all the rest of those folks. You know, look, you've been there, and I know sometimes it can be overwhelming. But horror fam, mutant fam, horror Twitter, whatever it is, like, dude, you wrote a fucking book. This is your second book, so we gotta be. We gotta get out there and pimp and tag those people into that shit and have some discussions on it. I mean, I think the title alone would cause a lot of them to just be very curious in that. So, yeah, dude, when when this thing comes out, let's uh, let's fucking turn it. Let's turn up the heat. Let's turn up the heat on this motherfucker. We're gonna sink this fucker. Everybody's gonna read a copy of this fucking book. Okay, after the fucking force feeds, and you're gonna sit here. I'm gonna hold your eyes open, fucking Clockwork Orange style, make you read it.
<laughs> yeah, not on the toilet. Uh, I can't write on the toilet. I read on the toilet. I sometimes talk on the phone on the toilet. I may uh, do some social media on the toilet. But I can't write while I'm on the toilet. It just does not... <laughs> just doesn't... Uh, doesn't flow. Um, you need fireside readings too after people buy a billion copies. Oh, after we get the Coney Coney Crew compound, um, we, we can just sit out there and we'll have a nice big bonfire, and uh, we'll have a, a bar. We'll have a fireside bar, uh, weed stand, mushroom stand. We'll have all the we'll have all the libations, and then uh, I can sit and just read that. Everybody gets either like a hammock or a cot or a little bed or lounge chair. There'll be a nice crackling fire. Maybe Black Cat. Uh, maybe either Black Cat's Poppy and or uh, I know Fool's Life likes cats. We can get a bunch of cats around. Everybody can have a nice cat to get in their lap. Black Cat's going to serve some soups. And uh, yeah, we'll just sit and we'll just sit and read. Oh, yeah. Bean bags. A nice bean bag chair. Everybody can just relax and just enjoy some stories. Crystal, have coffee. I'm not going to lie. That's like, it's actually made me sad because that sounds like the perfect thing in the world. It sounds literally perfect. I'm not even fucking joking. <laughs> oh, boy. It does sound like paradise, doesn't it? Um... Speaking of paradise or non-paradise as it is. So um, I do have that doctor's appointment tomorrow for some of those who maybe have missed what is going on. Um, had that medical meltdown through the drug overdose. I've talked with several other people who did recommend the drug that I am on that seems to be working well. So I'm going to stay on that. Uh, but I'm going to have a very frank conversation uh, with my primary care doctor tomorrow. And part of that is I'm going to say, look, you know, I have this job that's coming up and I have another doctor's appointment that's coming up. So is there anything you can give me that just to take the edge off in the meantime, something that maybe isn't necessarily great for the longest term use, but uh, something to just help me out through the next couple of weeks I get my feet on the ground uh, and, or, uh, and or until uh, this other appointment. You know, I, mushrooms, honestly, in a way, sound like a great idea. I, I got to be honest. I am just terrified, though, now at uh, drug interactions and shit like that. So I'm kind of like, eh. Black Hat, I'm so happy that those helped and worked for you. I would uh, totally urge you to stay with and keep up on that if possible. Um, you know, it make, makes me happy that that worked for you and really helped you out. You know, if you if you have any other, as you experience that stuff, uh, if you can either share the dose and or strain or whatever it is, and look disclaimer. This is not a promotion. This is not a suggestion. This is simply someone in chat 
who had something that helped and worked for them. And so they're just giving details. Use an adult, make your own choice. Okay. That's always the way that it works on the show. Uh, as she has said, legally obtained. So, you know, don't be breaking the law on my account or anyone's account. Again, use an adult, you do what you're going to do. Um, so that's all that. Um, yeah, I was talking about earlier, I built a little Lego motorcycle and cooked some dinner and did all that shit. I wanted to go to the gym and stuff today, but I just did not, just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I instead, uh, farted around a little bit with some of this streaming shit. And, um, Derek Danzig, by the way, I'm going to give him, uh, a shout out. I think this is still his channel, hopefully. No. Mm. What the fuck is the name of this guy's channel? For the love of Christ. Okay. No, just go over here. And look at what's his channel name. I need to find who it is. Let's see. No. Unless he changed it, which I don't think he changed it. Well, I actually follow a lot of people on here. It's kind of uh, impressive. Which is kind of scary if I'm 100% honest about it. D E R I C. Astro. I know how I can find it. He changed it. And his name is actually Dr. Danzig. What's with these people all being fucking doctors and shit? Do not stop it. <laughs> uh, but follow Dr. Danzig. Um, he has, by the way, I'm just going to talk about this briefly. I talked with him uh, sort of on stream and sort of offline. He's decided to curtail a lot of his social media. So his Twitter account is gone. His Instagram shit is gone. Uh, he's decided that that was just not worth the mental mental strain. Too much poison and diarrhea on there. Um, he also has decided to stop his uh, sort of famous slash infamous uh, podcast, Astro Radio Z. He's shutting a lot of that stuff down. Focusing on his own mental health, focusing on his children and his work. Um, but he is going to be doing more streaming. He really likes the interaction with the chat and that whole community. I think he tends to stream more earlier in the day, but he's got a great setup. Super nice guy. Um, funny to watch his channel. Um, so please drop him a follow and stop in and check him out. Cigar Goyle approved. This Fool's Life says, the smoke shop I visited today sells 
mushroom gummies. I don't know how to feel about them. I mean, I'm a fan of gummies. Obviously, the last uh, gummy I took did not work so well. But uh, I think as a vessel for consuming stuff like that, they work pretty nice. Um, gummies and the gelatin, uh, you know, unless you have, depending on what the gummy is made out of, you know, the gummies that are like gelatin, gelatin, whatever, uh, you know, what is that made from horse hooves or whatever, it's actually kind of good for your hair and nails and all that shit. So, you know, I'm kind of a fan of gummies. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but you know, your mileage may vary, of course. Kudos to him for prioritizing his mental health, King Dinosaur says. I agree, and I've thought about it. And the discussion that I had with him was, for me, I know too many people that I consider friends where that's really the only slash main way that I interact with them. And I do get uh, stri stricken with a little bit of some FOMO on sort of what's going on and what are people up to kind of especially some of the Joe Bob horror community, stuff like that. Um, you know, I have some people in places out here in Arizona where there are events. Uh, a lot of times that's the way that you find out about events, this motorcycle garage, uh, some of those things. Uh, that's the main way that I find out about them. You know, Instagram for me, most of the, most of the big accounts are dog shit, fake full of vitriol, just crap. And I hate even when they come up as suggestions in my feed. Um, you know, I, I do it for more of the smaller, closer people that I'm actually friends with to kind of follow some of that stuff. So I don't quite know if I'm ready to turn all of that off yet. However, what I will probably start doing is doing a little bit less of some of the meme sharing browsing because those accounts too, those guys that own those accounts, they actually make money off of them. And they just sit there all day and just copy and pump out that shit. And yeah, they're funny. But then when you go and you look at your phone and you've got 10, 12, 20 of them, I can't just sit there and spend that amount of time flipping through 20 whatever fucking videos. You know? And then I feel bad when I don't. Because then I feel like people will go, oh, you're just ignoring me or whatever. So I may start cutting back on some of that stuff may start turning some of those accounts off as much as they are fun and funny to watch. I think I'm probably going to start cutting down on some of that because it, I, it's a waste of time. It truly well and surely is a waste of time. And so many of them, even though if I find them amusing, it's not like the laughs I've shared with some of you talking on the phone and having some of those other conversations. Every once in a while, I get one that really makes me uh, makes me laugh. But the rest of them are just little, you know, you call it up and you flip through it just because you're like, oh, I just need to check it. Now, I'm going to try and start cutting out on some of that. Um, I would rather do a 10-minute stream or 10-minute talk or something else like that where there's actual real interaction then just fuck around with that bullshit to be completely honest so i applaud derek danzig for going through with that i think that's actually a pretty good choice 
Um, and I hope that works out and helps him a lot. But um, super nice guy. Fool's Life says, I love gummies. It's just texture that is a turn off sometimes. It's true. I had these zinc vitamin D C gummies and the, the texture was not pleasant. It was real weird. That was like a mealy mouth feeling when I ate them. Did not like that one. Did not like that at all. Flip side of that is I had these vitamin C gummies. They're delicious. Those things are like fucking just candy. You want to just sit and just fucking eat them. Real action is totally healthier. I mean, sitting at a bar, sitting at a club, sitting at a coffee shop, bookstore, cat cafe, wherever the fuck you want to talk about it. Um, way nicer. Um, and outside of that, just stuff like this. You know, at least here, you can actually feel like you're having a conversation with some people. And of course, as I've said, anything you want to talk about, just let me know. Just let me know. We can bring it up. The only time the black cat has had a problem with texture was with rattlesnake. What was the texture of rattlesnake like? It's like poop. <laughs> no. There's a movie called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, and there's a character uh, in that movie called Critical Bill, which is the namesake for Critical Bill the band. And in one interaction, uh, it comes out that the guy keeps calling him a shit eater. And he keeps being like, you know, why are you calling that? Whatever. Well, it comes out one point in time, I think, I don't know if it was a dare or whatever else, but the guy ate a piece of poop and he's like, what did you really? He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, but it was just a dude. It was just, it was just a fucking little piece. And he's like, Oh, Bill, I did not want it. He's like, Oh, it was spongy. Oh, section had like membrane in between the sections. Oh, Oh my goodness. Shorty straw. Nor Norswegians premium streamer. I give him shit about that, but he's actually he's really fucking amazing. Um, Shorty Straw streams on here, um, so if we can get a shout out for Shorty Straw, but uh, guy has. I don't particularly like how my voice sounds most of the time, but I've heard it's pretty good. Shorty is close. And if you ever want to just go to sleep, just listen to the guy read old retro video game manuals. He's got a gorgeous beard, amazing head. He looks like Carrie Elwes if you gave him some Finnish blood. He's incredible, uh, funny, fun, also does a great stream. So please, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, uh, drop, drop by and give Shorty Straw a follow. He does look like Carrie Ellis, doesn't he? I I told you. I told you. It's a fucking dead ringer. As a matter of fact, you should go find Carrie Ellis. Lock him in a box. I'm not going to condone murder. Lock, lock him somewhere up in Finland and just take over that guy's life. You could, you could, if you have not done a Dread Pirate Roberts costume, you need to ASAP. ASAP. 
But thank you so much uh, for stopping by Shorty Straw. Um, and thank you for the voice compliment from someone who is also very smooth. I will take that as a great compliment. He doesn't really talk like that either. He does have a little bit of an accent, but it's sexy. I just sound like a fucking idiot. <laughs> someday, someday when I win a million bazillion dollars, I'm going to fly over there and we are going to go... As much as I may want to wreck England, I'm going to go over there and fucking wreck Finland, dude. We're going to crush these fucking rural bars. We're going to have, I don't know, girls from the forest leaping out. <laughs> what the fuck am I even talking about? <laughs> wreck Finland. <laughs> Eat wild mushrooms. We're going to get wild mushrooms. We're going to get finished gummy. Oh, they probably taste like fish. I don't know if I want the fucking finished gummies. We'll get gummies from elsewhere. Um, yeah, it's the guy from Princess Bride. thousand percent. Real finish LSD. Uh, meat pies, ale. What else you guys got over there? Socks. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah, you put herring all over yourselves, attract all sorts of cats, they'll pit pickled vegetables. Iron Maiden, blow up the toilets, I guess. Oh, if you have a, if you had a crush in Carrie Ellis growing up, the guy from Princess Bride, Krista, I'm telling you, go watch this guy stream. Go watch this guy stream. He's fucking gorgeous. I don't even care. I'll just flat out say it. Fucking, fucking handsome, man. Like... All right, we're going to pause the recording here for a minute and take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of some narration. Okay, we're going to follow up with a little bit more of the story and see what you guys think. Okay, so be right back. Okay, some narration time. So if the last you recall from the last time uh, that we were sharing and reading this... Uh, the last thing that happened was a person named Jessica, who we don't really know too much more about, had finished a meeting with a man named Jason um, inside of a club, had a little bit of an altercation with a woman in there, but it did sort of allude to the fact that she is part of some sort of organization that we don't really know too much about yet. Um, and as well, there is some sort of thing, we aren't sure if that's her or not, that is also apparently stalking around and has killed people in some horrific fashion. Okay, so we're a little bit maybe off balance and not quite sure what's going on, but this thing has already killed three people, killed a nasty old man. Uh, a bitchy lawyer, uh, and has also killed some fat, sweaty businessman and tore him to shreds and kicked him into a swimming pool. So we are now going to start uh, some of the newer chapters. This next chapter that comes up, uh, it, at least for me anyway, uh, starts to have some sort of parts that may anyway get me a little choked up. Um, I'm not going to talk about why they get me choked up, but um, 
I was very proud of this chapter, so I'm will be interested to know what the rest of you think. <clears throat> so Cry from Afar. The next chapter is Grace. For a long time, the only thing that made her happy was her garden and her cat. Her house was nice. She had relatively good health, and even though she was lonely, her cat, Jinx, kept her company and gave her someone to talk to. The truth was, she really didn't feel like talking to too many others. As the years had gone on past the day when she felt she had stained her soul, she had a feeling of shame like she should hide her face, lest someone somehow get a hint of what she had been a part of. Like many other days, she'd had breakfast and lunch, took the time to brush Jinx, and then went out to tend to her garden. Bright flowers, vegetables ripe and fresh, toiled in the ground under the sun, listened to the birds and the trees and the soft breeze. As the sun started its journey back over the apex of the sky and towards the opposite horizon, she felt something, like she was being watched. It was unnerving. She walked to the edge of her yard and looked out towards the distant trees and had the distinct feeling that she was looking back directly at someone who was looking at her. That feeling grew and was solidified when, in the far-off distance, movement at the edge of the green copse, she saw movement, as if a figure had stepped forward. Frozen in place, she watched as whatever or whoever it was began a slow walk towards her house. A chill ran down her spine because it was at that moment she knew as much one can know something by feel, who it was, and what was about to happen. Nightmares had clued her into that. Her own guilt had clued her into that. So she went inside, fed Jinx some treats, scratched him as he gave her comforting headbutts, and then went to take a shower. As she washed, brushed her hair, and dressed, the sun had crawled lower. Dusk shadows started to grow, and the night song of birds echoed outside. She went to the kitchen and glanced out the back window. The figure was much closer now, a mixture of old clothes and rags, and so she put on a kettle of water and readied two mugs and prepared tea bags and some fresh lemon. The water hot, she poured it into mugs, put a tea bag in both, and looked out at the side window at her garden one last time. A tear rolling down her face. She wiped it away with a sniffle and heard the back door open and close. Heavy footsteps walking through her hallway. Jinx, where he'd been sleeping on a cushion set on a kitchen chair, promptly got up and ran to her bedroom to hide. She thought about doing the same, but instead placed the teacups on the kitchen table and then sat, watching the threshold with a mix of dread and anticipatory relief. A looming shadow foretold the arrival of her visitor, and then a moment later, a thing moved into view. Her breath caught in her throat, her heart skipped a few beats, and her hand trembled around the mug of tea. She held herself together as it walked over slowly to the kitchen table and then sat across from her, the chair creaking as it sat down. Neither of them spoke. It 
picked up the lemon in a wretched hand and squeezed it into the mug, and then raised it up into the shadows of its hooded face and drank. There were no birds singing outside, nor a breeze, nor any movement at all save her racing heart and heavy breathing. It reached into the folds and tatters that it wore, retrieved a small object, and put it on the table. She sobbed, tears falling from her face in streams. She fought to raise the mug and drank again, her body fighting to remain seated and not curl into a ball and weep, forced herself to look up and meet its horrible, glowing gaze and spoke. Somehow I always knew that I would see you again. And when I did, I told myself I would say that I was sorry. But as the years have gone on now, I realize how stupid and condescending that would sound. I haven't gone a day when I didn't think about you and the others. I haven't slept a night when I didn't hear the rising screams. And I haven't gone a minute when I didn't see your eyes staring at us in fury even after we'd killed you. I always half wondered if some part of you survived. She paused, a tear dropping to the table. None of it was right. None of it was just. Hell's what we all deserve. And I, I, I guess that's why you're here. The thing drank the rest of the tea in the mug and then put its hands flat on the table and watched her. She had stopped speaking but had more to say, and the silence spurred her on. So after a hard swallow, she continued. I heard the reports and saw the news. You killed them, didn't you? That's what you're here to do, isn't it? Kill, kill me. She had a rueful look on her face and added, At first I thought maybe it was just bad business. Come back for some of them, although, she mused, it's in a way it's, it's just what it is. This is personal, the thing said in a voice that reminded her of slugs and worms and rot. It leaned forward closer to her, and she had to fight back a gag at the sight of its face, but swallowed it down and met its gaze. I suppose it is. Then, Even if it sounds straight, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of it, Heather said, and then leaned back in the chair and slumped her shoulders. It was like the weight of so many years had been taken from her shoulders because she knew that one way or another, this was a watershed moment. And Heather hadn't lied. She was sorry. She didn't have cruelty in her heart and regretted what she'd been a part of as much as a person could. The malevolent creature across from her stood, casting a shadow of death over Heather and the table. There's... Something to be said for grace, it said to her. 
the garden dies, you die. Quit hiding behind your shame. It's pathetic. Give the vegetables to the hungry, and when you do it, do it with grace. She nodded, listening to its awful voice. This wasn't a request. This was a demand from someone who couldn't possibly be there in her kitchen making it. Okay, she replied, and meant it. Goodbye, the thing said to her as a drawn-out, two-word statement. Then it turned, went off into her house. She heard it open a drawer and a dresser in one of her back bedrooms, and then the sound of a window being opened, and then silence. She sat there at the table for some time and didn't bother to go look-see where it had gone or what it had took, because she knew the answer to both of those questions the moment it had said goodbye. She was going to go to bed, because tomorrow there was much work to do in the garden. Insolent Fool is here, by the way. Insolent Fool, we're uh, doing some narration. We're reading a little bit of a crazy story here that I've been working on. So you're in the middle of some nighttime story hour. But uh, cheers to Insolent Fool. Insolent Fool also streams. Uh, is a fantastic streamer from Australia. Also a really nice guy. So make sure you stop by and drop a follow to Insolent Fool, please. Black Cat says, this is intense. So let's continue. Interested parties. Jessica took her time. A long shower, coffee, dressed in form-fitting clothes, fixed her long black hair back over her shoulders and down her back, gathered up and arranged the contents of her purse, and then snatched a pair of aviator sunglasses and went downstairs and out the front door, flashing a smile to the doorman as she headed up the sidewalk. She strode confidently, heading towards a club just a few blocks from where she stayed. Oh, no worries, insolent fool. It's all good. As she walked, she had a feeling she was being followed, watched. There wasn't anyone in particular of note that she noticed. Whether through casual glances or reflections in windows, just the regular thrum of people going about their day, businessmen and women, workers, delivery, uh, delivery drivers and trucks, street urchins of various kind and color carrying tattered bags or pushing ramshackle carts. No one stopped her. No one said anything to her. And yet the feeling remained even when she got to her destination. A large black man with a thick beard and a black t-shirt that looked a size too small greeted her when she pressed the buzzer near the side door. I have an appointment with Ms. Welsh. Jessica, she said, smiling at the man and adjusting her purse so that the heft of her tits would press tighter against the front of her shirt. One second man said in a deep voice and then leaned back inside and had words with someone Jessica couldn't see. A brief moment later, the man said, Please, come in. 
and then opened the door wider and ushered Jessica inside, closing the door behind her. Jessica removed her sunglasses and placed them in her purse as she followed the man further into the club. The interior of the place was done up in classic strip club decor. Mirrors, poles, stages, chairs, bars, VIP section, wine display, cigars, smelled like body oil, sweat, booze, beer, smoke, and debauchery. And even though it was gaudy, not the most pleasant to look at with the lights on, she'd been in worse places. This way, the man said and walked in front of her, leading her through the place past workers cleaning up, restocking and generally getting the place ready for when it would open later in the evening. Through a deep red heavy curtain past the lap dance boots and to a heavy door they walked without conversation. The man opened the door. Another man on the other side who had a gun on his hip said, Thank you, Charles, to the man who'd greeted Jessica at the door. Charles fucked off back to the place, stealing a glance back at Jessica as he left. Jessica followed the man with a gun through to another door, this one made ornate and with wood, which he opened and then said, Ms. Welsh, indicating the woman inside, letting Jessica pass, and then closed the door behind her. The office was richly furnished, all sleek black and chrome and colored lights and glass. A private bar with stools, tables, and chairs. A large modern desk with multiple monitors and what looked like a radio communication setup for communicating with staff on the floor. Ms. Welsh stood from the large executive chair where she'd been sitting and made her way around the desk. The desk. Jessica, it's so good to see you, she exclaimed as the two women came together for a hug. Deanna, Jessica replied with a smile, hugging the woman back. It's been too long. Deanna Welsh was on the petite side, but fit and strong, with brown hair that hung about her shoulders and rich brown eyes, a cute little beauty mark on her jaw, expensive but tasteful jewelry, and a blue blouse that looked about ready to give up containing her chest and pants that might have been painted on. After the embrace, Deanna motioned Jessica to the bar. A drink? she asked, and before Jessica could reply, added, I think you're going to be very happy with the merchandise we have ready for your organization. Whatever you're having, Jessica answered, following Deanna to the bar and sitting on one of the stools, placing her purse on the bar top. We have three men who've been back over the past six days, and we think... They might be running low on cash. So they haven't been spending quite as much as they did earlier on. And they've been spending time with a few of the dancers we've got hooked, Deanna says proudly. Jessica tapped her long painted nails together in approval. That's very, very good. So we're looking at, what, five? Five ready in the next day or two? Deanna had fixed two simple vodka tonics with dashes of lemon and lime, slid one to Jessica, and then raised her glass. That's right. Cheers. She replied <clears throat> and touched her glass to Jessica's. Both women drank, and then Jessica said, Fairly good health, other than, well, the drugs. 
With a smile, Deanna says, Yeah, two of them are younger. Uh, the other looks like an older man, divorced, divorced uh, maybe, but healthy. The girls are young. They came here uh, from out of town a few weeks ago. So if you and your people can work this the way you usually do, I think this will be a slam dunk. Deanna took out her phone and showed Jessica some pictures of the people in question taken by the establishment's security cameras. Wonderful, Deanna. This is just what I was hoping to hear, Jessica said, handing Deanna back her phone. As distasteful as this was, it would mean that Jessica wouldn't have to do much of anything for maybe a month in terms of making her <coughs> quota and give her time to try and clear her head or evaluate what she was going to do. Jessica finished the rest of her drink in a large swallow and looked at Deanna with eyes that said, Come here. And rotated on her bar stool so her legs were out from under it. Deanna came around the bar and approached, finishing her own drink in several swallows. You've been such a good girl, Jessica said, standing up off the stool and then unbuttoning her pants and sliding them down and off, leaving her naked from the waist down. Deanna's eyes flared, her skin flushing. She moved over to Jessica and then said, I just want to make you happy, in a husky whisper. Jessica took the neckline of Deanna's shirt in her hands and tore it open down the front, effortlessly, and then unhooked the woman's bra, letting it fall to the floor. You always make me happy, Jessica replied with a smile, and then ran her hands through Deanna's hair. Jessica could feel the heat emanating from Deanna's body as she came closer still, her breasts pressing against Jessica as she moved against her, kissing her. And then the shorter woman trailed kisses down Jessica's stomach and navel as she knelt down on the floor, moving between Jessica's legs. Lifting one leg to put her foot on the bar rail, Jessica guided the other woman's head and mouth down to her pussy. Deanna wrapped her arms back and around Jessica's hips, squeezing the firm swell of her ass as she teased the tip of her tongue between the folds of Jessica's sex. Jessica leaned her head back as the woman began to kiss and lick her slowly and carefully, letting out a sigh. The sigh sounded like a sigh of pleasure, but if one were to look at the expression on Jessica's face, it was an expression devoid of passion or pleasure. Her eyes looked mostly dead, like a shark's. Going somewhere. Crawling had been step one. It took everything he had to pull himself along for a long time. When it rained, it poured, and so he laboriously wrenched himself along, mud, water, and all other manner of detritus getting in the various holes in his body. He gathered what strength he could by eating foul things where he could find it as mud, lawn, and path had changed to woods and field. He had a lot to listen to as he continued on. Thoughts and images in his mind like some wicked orchestra. Agony was his unfortunate companion, 
as he eventually could semi-stand and creep along in the hidden from sight places during the day and like some wounded animal at night. He was guided by a throbbing beacon and knew exactly and precisely where he was going. More accurate than any map or compass, it was a trail of taste and odor and soul. He dragged and crabbed along far enough. There it was. A rundown place as wretched as he was, and inside of the place was someone he desperately needed to meet. After their meeting, his body stronger from an infernal meal, he looked out to a distant horizon and caught the throb once more. He could move faster this time, even with the wounds to his body, and could hear more clearly now the river of dark melodies that played within his mind. Three more reunions, and then he would need to hurry on towards the rotting city for pressing business. There is no time to waste, and so he hustled on. He was going places. Rust. Here was a rusted temporary home. The door was locked to the leaning building, warehouse or barn or shop, it didn't matter. He grabbed the chain and with a yank, snapped off the handle and kicked the door open. Inside it was dark and musty. Quiet. An old car sat inside, rusted and home to weeds, rodents, and insects. He cleared dirt and crud off of a nearby workshelf and placed the items he'd gathered thus far on top of it. Searched around and found a length of rebar, though a bit rusted and pitted, it was still sturdy. He placed it on the bench near the other weapons, totems, and things that he'd gathered and then went to examine the old vehicle. It contained some old coveralls and gloves, which he took, as well as a dirty baseball cap. Those could be cleaned, but the car's engine looked shot beyond repair. He tore open the trunk and found some sort of canvas tarp that he cut and ripped into a makeshift sort of poncho. The space allowed him privacy to work out some kinks in himself, grow stronger for a day or two and prepare for the next leg of his journey. The throbbing indicated where it was that he needed to go. Trap laid, buildings secured, items collected. He left his rusted shelter for the city. So that's all we have of that for now. That's the end of everything that I have finished. Finished. I hope the <laughs> salacious portion of that was not... It's probably more embarrassing for me to read than it was for you to listen to. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. There's some of that in this story. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> lots of hilarious emotes and uh, comments during that particular portion of the reading, including some fireworks, uh, a from Insolent Fool, uh, <laughs> yeah, brought us, uh, King Dinosaur says, bravo, Black Cat says, you brought us through a cornucopia of emotions 
insolent fool says, You're a, a fantastic orator and a cunning linguist. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Krista just says, Dang. And Dinosaur says, Killing it, man. And from Dread Pirate Roberts, also known as Carrie Ellis, also known as Shorty Straw, we got a nice. Wondering if any of you have any thoughts about who and what is happening or what the relationship between some of those particular characters are. I get that it's still probably a little bit confusing. However, I think you're possibly at least getting a picture uh, as to what Jessica is up to. Um, she's uh, not necessarily uh, the nicest person. Um, but she's certainly involved in something nasty. Uh, Shorty Straw says that was really, really good. Thank you very, very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a little bit, it's given me a little bit of anxiety sharing some of this, uh, especially number one at all. Number two, reading it live, <laughs> reading it live on stream. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you could crawl back through the VODs and read the earlier pieces if you wanted to uh, at some point. I don't know. Maybe I'll just read the whole thing front to end so that if you have it, uh, haven't heard the beginning pieces of that, you could. Um, Shorty Straw says, I will. Yeah, the, voice, the voices are difficult. <clears throat> Insolent Fool. Uh, says exactly the sort of stuff my wife loves to read. You wrote that? Great. To which Hazuki says, you wrote this? Yes, I uh, wrote all of that. Um, I've been picking away at it on some weekends. Uh, every now and then I uh, wrote that last little portion about the rusted buildings and the going places on the plane uh, when I was flying back. Um, a lot of it really hasn't been through a pass of any sort of editor or anything like that. So there are some rough spots but uh yes this is an original story called cry from afar um glad you enjoyed it thank you so much for that hazuki says damn man you're an artist great work <laughs> i had to do a box guy just for you <laughs> um <laughs> Let's pass out some. Let's pass out some VIP badges to y'all. Thank you so much for that. Um, I know that we are pretty much here at the end of the stream. However, for some of those uh, of you who did come in a little bit later, if you are curious and you are interested, I can go back and read some of the beginning of that story. I don't really have too much else that I was going to do for the rest of the evening other than just chill. So if you'd like some narration and you'd like to hear where that starts at the beginning, I would be happy to read that to you. Um, insolent fool. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait. Why are there two insolent fools in here? Have you heard about Twitch Prime? 
Did you know you can link your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and subscribe to your favorite streamer forever for 30 days for free? You can, in fact, do that, by the way. If you have Amazon Prime and you hook up Amazon Prime to Twitch, you can give basically free subscriptions out. It doesn't cost you shit. probably his phone breaking stuff well what say you i would say uh obviously it's for everybody but especially hazuki insolent and or shorty straw uh maybe desi and moogle too if you guys haven't uh heard the beginning of that and you would like me to continue uh i could go ahead and start from the beginning and give you some more of that if you were so inclined but uh, yes, I'm very interested in what some of you may think about the rest of that and where the story is necessarily going. It's about to, I'm trying very hard not to just play my hand and explain everything too simply, but uh, I think maybe you're getting a little bit of a picture of some of this. King Dinosaur has to crash. He's a big training that he does not want to do tomorrow morning. Thanks for all the support, brother, and keep writing. It's quality prose. Uh, take care, man. Hope the training goes well. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude, when your book comes out, we're going to promote that son of a bitch all over the place. Uh, I loved your I loved your last book, Ghosts on the Highway, and I've loved everything else that you've shared that you've let me read. So I think that's going to be amazing. Uh, this Fool's Life says that uh, they would love to hear it. So I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you may have heard this before. So if you don't want to hear the rest of it, then go ahead and stop your podcast episode now. I will give you a break so you hear a beep. Otherwise, when you come back from the beep, you're going to hear that again from the beginning. Okay, here we go. We're going to start uh, a little bit of the beginning of this. So away we go. Cry from afar. Chapter one, goodbye to everything. It was so wonderfully quiet inside the cold steel and concrete room. Dismal, dreary, dead. And that was just how she felt. She'd placed her sex-red high heels on a rusted shelf near the incinerator. Was it a crematorium? Not that it mattered. It was a blast furnace, and it would finally provide an answer one way or another to her day. She had found herself more than just once down on her knees, praying and wondering and sobbing what was wrong with her. Could never get any answers. And so this seemed like the next best place to look. She opened her black Dolce Gabbana purse and took out a cigarette. Pale, long, slender, sexy, like the elegant fingers that held it. Lit it with a gold lighter and inhaled the foul-tasting smoke, enjoying the pleasant rush to her lungs. If her lungs even worked anymore. Slowly she placed the bag next to her heels and then reached inside it once more to remove a hair tie, gathering her long black hair back into a messy bun at the back of her head. She had been watching and poking around this place for a while. Aside from a few security guards and otherwise, the place was largely abandoned. Even though several of the machines looked well enough to be of use, she didn't know what the original purpose of the industrial spread was for, but she found what she needed. One of the security guards who had worked there, Ed, 
had told her about this particular machine and how it worked. There was a valve for the gas, gauges showing flow and pressure, temperature, and a heavy metal door with a thick handle on it. Inside, a series of grates where you placed whatever you wanted reduced to ash and slid it inside. She'd done some reading and research, asked around, learned how you operated it, and had finally decided it was time to take the ride herself. Enjoying the cigarette, she lifted the handle with a protesting squeak and then opened the heavy door, hinges tiredly complaining about the movement. When she opened the valve, the hiss of gas like a hidden snake in an otherwise quiet room. Waited a few moments and then threw the lit cigarette into the steel coffin near the pilot, seeing a flicker of flame. Then she opened the main gas valve and heard the little whoosh as it ignited low but casted flickering dances on the rust-colored walls in dingy gray. She watched the fire for a while, turning up the gas and watched the flames grow higher, more focused, flooding the room with heat and red-orange light. Wanted to cry so badly, but just couldn't. She'd tried her best. Felt like she had held off the bad parts of herself as long as she could, but just couldn't break free from whatever had hold of her. So, this was goodbye. Goodbye to everything. She closed her beautiful blue eyes, took a deep breath, and then opened them once more to regard the welcoming, intense heat. She moved closer, reaching out for one of the metal grates to climb onto when she nearly barked from surprise. Because right then, a deep voice said from the other end of the room, that seems like a pretty stupid thing to do. Krista's got to go. Krista, as always, thank you for stopping by. She's got some laundry and stuff to do upstairs. No worries. This will be here for you. You can always watch it later, and we will see you again next time. Much love to you. Shorty says, I don't have the reading skills to do this kind of thing. Of course you do. <laughs> wait, 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 what just happened? Lax Barbie just followed. Lax, Lax Barb, uh, or L-A-X Barbie. Maybe that's what that is. But thanks you for the follow. Thanks for stopping by. We're doing a little bit of some narration here. We're going to continue on with the next chapter. Broken Homes. There wasn't any beer left. No Dintymore stew either. Denny coughed a phlegmy cough and then lit another cheap cigarette and farted. He smelled. Not that he cared. Or anyone else cared. He didn't really do much these days other than slowly kill himself with bad food, booze, and general lack of hygiene and movement. He was old, though, and figured it was probably about time for death to come anyway. With an old man's cackle, he laughed at the things he'd done in his life and the lack thereof. Sharing was pretty sharp, though. And he heard what sounded like someone out back in his yard where rusted cars, boxes, and other shit lay strewn about, discarded without grace. Fucking kids. Always poking around looking to fuck with stuff. Well, he'd show him. Lifting his flabby bulk from a sticky easy chair, he went over to the kitchen and grabbed a break-open shotgun from near the kitchen table. He always had it at the ready. He liked shooting things. Dogs. Gophers, cats, birds, <laughs> hell, even people if you got the chance. 
A spark of joy crossed his face as he realized he might actually get to do something fun for once. Opened the shotgun, checked to make sure it contained two fat, bright red shells, closed it with a clack, and then headed for the back door. He used his shoulder to open the sagging screen door and stood at the threshold, looking for anything creeping around in his yard. It was impossibly still outside. Too still. The setting sun that was crawling down towards the trees felt like it was glaring at him in anger. Go on, get! He shouted into the yard, though his voice lacked his earlier joy and excitement. This private property, so I'm fixing to blast you if you fuck around my yard. He swatted a fly from his face with liver-spotted hands and continued to survey. And then a chill ran down his spine, despite the heat, because he could tell there was something out there. Something very, very wrong. Shadows that didn't look right. A strange pressure in the air, like something was waiting to jump forward and get him. He backed into the ramshackle house and closed the screen door, then the white wooden door with peeling paint behind it, and locked it. Grumbling under his breath and attempting to regain his muster, he went to the kitchen window and looked out. Didn't see anything moving, yet that pressure and strange sense of danger pervaded. He'd make his stand at the front door, where he had more visibility into the yard, and so he began shuffling his way through the uncumped house, and he knocked something to the floor that clattered, skittered, and rested just inside the halo of light from a dirty, crusty lamp with a bulb struggling at its own age. When he saw what it was, his breath caught in his chest. His heart skipped a few beats, and he pissed himself as if his prostate wasn't giving him such trouble. Frozen place, gripping the shotgun with knuckles that ached. Felt and heard the pressure of something on the floor near the door to his bedroom, and breaking the momentary pause, turned and raised the shotgun at the intruder. A thing loomed there at the edge of the doorway. He at once knew who it was, even if he didn't under, quite understand what it was. You, he said with eyes wide and disbelief in his voice. It can't be you, he shouted at it, panic in his voice. The thing started to crawl, shuffle towards him very, very slow, like a cat stalking prey. You listen, hey, listen to me, I ain't done nothing that wasn't right at the time. And you, you know how it is when you're young. You do dumb, foolish things, things you sorry for, things you regret. Now, maybe I ain't been a good man in my life, but I ain't done nothing any worse than some bitch. So you just get the fuck out of here. Then he raised the shotgun with more authority and pointed it towards the dark figure that continued to advance him despite the warnings. Denny pulled the trigger on both barrels and blasted the thing directly in the center of its chest. Dust and mold and dirt and particles of who knew what clouding the air. The recoil of the shotgun and his near panic caused Denny to take a step backwards, and he fell back near the somber, glowing lamp. The wind out of him, Denny dropped the shotgun and put his hands flat to push himself up, coughing, when the thing began to climb up his legs, with hands that were icy cold but strong. He looked down and saw that the shotgun had done its job, if not completely, because even though the thing was a total mess and nearly cut in half, it quickly continued to crawl up Denny's prone body. 
The terror of that sight, of the smell and the pressure of the thing, was enough to push Denny over the edge into hysterics. He started screaming and crying, trying to push the thing off as it crawled all the way up his body. Denny had lied. He'd done terrible things, but he wasn't sorry for them, and he didn't regret them. He'd enjoyed them. Agony took hold of his body as the thing tore him open, ripping tissue and snapping tendon and bone as his collarbone and upper chest were exposed. And in the last moments of Denny's life, he realized that the thing had bitten him savagely. And the last thing he saw was an absolute horror as the thing looked at him with parts of his body hanging from its mouth. Later on, the fire department would get a call to a house fire. No one cared what might have been missing, possessions or flesh. The thing hadn't stayed to watch it burn. Get off my lawn! <laughs> More than coffee. When she'd been investigating the abandoned property, she had seen a few people there occasionally. Who knew if they were looking to chafe us off vagrants or preventing theft, various rusting parts, metal, copper. But on one particular occasion, when she'd been looking at the incinerator room, an old man had interrupted her evening. Excuse me, hey, this is private property. You can't be in here, ma'am, he'd said, white-haired with a pleasant smile, a flashlight, and a uniform that said, Secure Max, with Ed written under it in a sewn-on label with a plastic-looking badge next to it. Oh, well, I didn't see much going on, and I'm just here doing research for a book. I wasn't going to touch anything, she replied with an innocent smile. The old man gestured around. Well, other than getting stuck or scraped, there's not much to worry about, but the company that owns this place has a negotiations for sale or something, so anyway, I really don't want people in here. He looked kind of lonely. She could sense that he was lonely. And good lord, he smelled. Delicious. Her eyes dilated as she looked at him, feeling a certain urge spark to life within her. I understand, she acknowledges, but maybe I could ask you some questions about the place for, for the book. I, she took a step towards him, posture inviting, could take you out for a coffee or a bite to eat. The publishing house pays for that sort of thing. She finishes with a, you know, we're both just sort of working, so kind of tell. Instantly, the man's attention shifted to looking at her, really looking. She was gorgeous, pristine perfection put together. Even the elderly can appreciate good art, and as she'd guessed, he was lonely. His shift was only another 20 minutes anyway, that loudmouth kid who thought he was RoboCop would handle things. Eh, it's been some vagrant fella snooping around here, but it's early yet and another one of the guys is here to take over my shift so yeah my father told me never turn down a free meal coffee sounds great especially with the chill we've had the guard replied putting his flashlight into a holster on his belt how about the ihop two streets over she asked gathering her purse and hoping 
to quickly get out of here before it was apparent that she was not researching a book dressed in an outfit that looked more appropriate for a dance club. Sure, that would be nice, the man said, and then waited for her as she left the room and headed down bare concrete corridor towards the gate at the back. I'll meet you there in ten or fifteen minutes, he says, as her heels crunch on the gravel. Great, see you soon, she says, getting to a black Land Rover Evoke, smiling at him before putting on a pair of gradient sunglasses. The short drive there, she didn't think once about coffee or pancakes. All she could think about was how the man smelled. Once inside, she got a booth near the middle of the place, asked for two coffees, and waited. Before her date would arrive, she poured half of her cup of coffee back into the plastic carafe. He left on the table, took a little notebook and a pen. Not she really planned on taking notes, but it helped solve the act. Not too much later, the old man came into the place, spotted her, smiled and came over, sliding with some effort into the booth and wrapping his hands around the coffee cup. Fresh coffee always smells good, he says, lifting the cup and taking a sip before blowing across the top. Smells. Smells good, all right. You smell good, she thought, staring at the old man as he sipped from the porcelain mug. How long have you been a writer? He asks, adding, Looks like you've done really well for yourself. Genuine admiration. Oh, well, I've been doing writing for a while, but recently it's just one of my own works. About a, about a year or two, she replies, wrapping her hands around the mug in a pantomime of his own gesture, but not drinking any of the contents. I retired some years back, and, well, you know, my wife got sick and passed. My kids have grown up and moved out of state, so to keep me from going crazy, I figured I'd just do some security jobs. Nothing really hard about it. Most of the places you just walk around and chuck off at there, but at least you get to meet some nice people now and then, he says to her, obviously happy to have the company. She wanted to kill him so bad she had to take a deep breath and look away for a moment before she did so in the middle of the restaurant. Meow the cat's not sleeping time yet. It's not time for sleepy. It's time for reading stories. Cheers. <clears throat> Disappear into the obscure. Jackie parked her Mercedes Benz and hit a button on the console to close her garage door. Couldn't be too careful these days. Her house was brightly lit by expensive-looking lamps and electric fireplace that flickered in her living room. Throwing her purse onto the countertop, she went to the little bar cart and poured herself a double gin and tonic. Finished it in a toss and a half and poured another. Fucking slobs. Low-rent apartments full of people who couldn't pay, wiped their shit all over the place, and then cried and complained it smelled like poop. Unbelievable, she says to herself, wondering where her husband was at this late hour. Like yourself. As a lawyer, you often kept odd hours and found yourself wanting a moment alone in your car to scream at the relative stupidity of the people you were representing. So if he is not getting trashed or his dick sucked in an alley, she really didn't care. She never really loved the man anyway. The relationship was born on power and money, both of which she had, so it suited her just fine. 
Alexa, play my favorite music, she said aloud, rolling her eyes at the syrupy response from the electronic device before it finally played some goddamn music. Her first task after drinking half of her second drink was to put in an order for Chinese food. She hated Chinese food. Greasy crap made by greasy people in greasy places. All she wanted was something to keep her stomach from growling and the acid crawling back up to her throat because she was going to finish that whole bottle of gin tonight no matter who called her on the fucking phone for what advice on whatever stupid case. Next, a bath. She stripped down naked and regarded herself in a mirror. Not bad for being an older woman, but then again, Money and surgery had ways of keeping you looking young if you were so inclined. She finished the drink and then padded out to pour herself another drink and instead just took the whole bottle with herself into the bathroom. Lit a few candles, scented and calming, and then filled a large, exquisite bathtub with hot water and two fizzy snowball-sized bombs that filled the room with even more pleasing scents slipped her legs into the water, settled back, took a long pull from the bottle and then closed her eyes, just feeling the calming water, the wonderful scents of the candles, and the skin tickling of the fizzy balls. Two things happened almost at once. The first was that something plopped into the water and it startled her so much that when she grabbed it and realized what it was, she almost didn't notice how bad the room suddenly smelled. Nor did she notice the thing standing in the doorway. When she saw it, she peed in the tub, her horror overriding her embarrassment as her mouth moved in gasps for breath like a fish. It sounded like it said hello to her, but on the verge of passing out and with the disgusting gurgle of the thing's voice, she wasn't quite sure. It advanced towards her. No! No! She yelled because she suddenly knew who it was. Knew in a way that guilt knows shame and scrabbled back in the slippery tub away from the thing as it came across the bathroom towards her. We were declared innocent! I, I'm innocent! She pleaded in the same way many of her clients did. A pleading that she often despised them for mocked them for in private. Later, the police got a call from Jackie's husband in a panic. They'd come over to find the bathroom a complete bloody mess. He had an alibi. And even if he hadn't, they didn't figure that a man dressed in a pinstripe suit had chewed his wife's legs to her hip bones while she laid in a bathtub. Without tangible leads, the case disappeared into obscurity. Even if they had known what to look for, they wouldn't have found what was taken. <laughs> Desi, not bad. Without cream. She was having a hard time controlling herself, so she focused on mundane things while she tried to slow herself down. D do, you, do you want cream? She asked him. Oh, uh, no, thank you, Mama. I, I got used to drinking black. always forgot to buy creamer when I go grocery shopping, Ed replied with some sadness to his voice. Don't kill him. Don't kill. Don't do it. 
Like a mantra, she repeated in her mind. Not to this nice old man. What kind of book is it? He asks with genuine, pleasant interest. It takes her a moment to regain her composure and focus. <laughs> Shorty! <laughs> Big, sharp, pointy teeth. It takes her a moment to regain her composure and focus. She stammers a bit with a wah, wah, then catches herself. Oh, oh, the book, uh, it's about a young black man struggling to find work and raise his family. He's supposed to work at, uh, waves her hand, a uh, steel mill. And I needed to get some descriptions down, see how industrial places like that are laid out. It nods as he takes a drink of his coffee. The server stops by and asks if they want anything, in which they both reply that no, they're good. In one sequence, he makes a mistake and causes a fire. And I thought it would be, you know, one of those incinerator type things. Or maybe where they melt metal. I think I'd seen something like that when you found me. <laughs> Snooping around. Oh, Ed replies. That's exactly what that was. Uh, they could use that to dispose of certain materials. and The filter on the top it makes sure that it even uh, cleans the smoke of pollutants. She leans forward, suddenly very interested in what the man has to say, also drinking in the delicious scent of him as he sits across from her. Could you tell me how it works, how to operate it? I mean, you don't actually have to turn it on, but I, I think it would make for a good detail. Happy to feel useful and interesting, Ed gives her a description of the machine and how it works. She... Almost breaks her disguise at one point when he looks at her like, Is she going to write this down? Taking out a notebook from her purse and a pen, she says, I got so caught up in listening to you one moment. And then quickly writes what he's told her. Ed, can you tell me, is there anything that the machine wouldn't burn? I mean, if there was some sort of accident, maybe if, if someone got trapped in there, would it? Totally burn them to ashes. Ed seems to consider this a bit of a gruesome, strange thing to ask and almost uh, seems hesitant to answer, taking a long sip of his coffee. Well, uh, I suppose since it's a story, yeah, if someone went in there and it was turned on high enough, there wouldn't be much that would be left. It even melt whatever jewelry or anything on him, just uh, ash and slag. With a broad smile showing perfectly naturally white teeth, she places her hand on Ed's and says, Thank you so much for all of this. And then back to scribbling for a moment, adds, I would love to put you in the book's special thanks section for helping me. Ed shifts in his seat, smiling back. I've never been anything like a book before. I'd love to have a copy of it when it's finished. His genuine interest in happiness. She has to couch herself again from violence and pretends to drink more of the coffee. I've probably taken up enough of your time, she says to him, putting the notebook and pen into her purse, taking out a crisp 
$20 bill and laying it across the handwritten check the waitress had laid on the worn surface of the table. Well, thank you so much for the coffee. It was really nice to share some conversation, and I hope the rest of your book goes well, Ed says, collecting his keys and then sliding himself slowly out of the booth after placing the coffee cup near the center of the table. With long-legged elegance and grace, she exits the booth in one smooth motion, picking up her purse and sunglasses. Putting the sunglasses on, she waits for the elderly man to stand up and then asks him, Care to escort a lady to her car? With an inviting smile upon expertly glossed lips. The mantra wasn't working. He smelled so good. She couldn't help anymore. Get him somewhere on sight. Just give in. Just give in. The thought of it made her excited to the point where she could feel her body responding in carnal fashion. Ed held the door for her, crossing outside. She turned on the lonely evening streets towards her car, the old man following after her. She could see where her SUV was parked on a dark spot of the lot with half-rusted dumpsters providing a visibility screen from prying eyes. Nearer. Kill him. Soon. Soon. She hit a key in the vehicle's fob, and with a blip, the doors unlocked. Ed came up behind her to open the driver's seat door. It was uh, really nice meeting you, he said in a friendly voice. Her eyes must have changed. Part of her had geared up for the moment of death. She made her move and was interrupted by a heavy bang that drew back Ed back and off to the side, protecting his would-be killer from an unknown threat. A shambled figure had been rummaging through the dumpster looking for who knows what, wrestling awkwardly with a shopping cart that had slammed metal to metal. Hey! Ed shouted, pushing her back, oblivious to her predatory changes. Changes that were rapidly receding as the interruption was enough for her to drive down her bloodlust. Trembling slightly, she stepped back towards the rear of the vehicle, more to be away from Ed than the vagrant who seemed to not even notice the two of them. You just can't startle people like that at this hour, Ed was saying sternly towards the shabby figure. He began pushing his shopping cart off towards a shrouded alley, footsteps shuffling on the concrete. Ed backed a step away and turned toward her, concern in his voice. I'm sorry about that. Are you okay? He asked her, putting a hand on her shoulder, noticing how she seemed upset and shaken. The moment of hunger pushed away. It was just from her voice and the slight tremble of her body that would indicate anything of what had almost transpired. I'm... I'm okay. I think I just should get back home. Thank you, Ed, for everything, she says, forcing a smile and returning once more to the driver's seat of her Land Rover. Well, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the best part of town. And you gotta be careful. You never know who's out there, he adds, oblivious to the fact that next to him was one of the most dangerous things in that part of town at the moment. If I uh, come back around for, you know, information or whatever, I'll make sure to hire a bodyguard, she says with flat humor. Ed chuckles and then after she's in the driver's seat says, Take care now. Closes the door, stepping back as she starts the vehicle with a commanding purr. 
and then pulls out to the nearby parking lot exit and turns off, driving away into the night. With a rueful smile, Ed realized that he'd never even asked her her name. It seemed odd. Had he forgotten to ask? Or forgotten if she in fact told him? Scratching his chin a moment, he shrugs and then heads towards his own vehicle. Either way, he thought. Nice lady. As she's driving back towards her apartment downtown, she knows now more than ever she has to destroy herself. It was too close. Too close to doing something she thought she could control. The flames awaited. And she wasn't going to keep them waiting long. Pillars of Strength Mr. and Mrs. Callan felt self-satisfied. It was a beautiful night for a yard party, and they raised a fair amount of money for the bullshit charities they pitched to a crowd of people who had more money than they ought to. Sparkling drinks, delicious food, drugs. Green initiatives were what they sold, but they had spent and polluted and done more damage to the earth with their own business dealings than they could ever hope to redeem, if they cared to, which they didn't. All that money was going right into the family coffers. With an unlit cigar in his mouth, Richard Callan strolled about his expansive backyard, admiring the pool, hot tub, security lights, cameras, let a big old satisfied fart. One of the security guards near the gate in the rear of the yard made a slight, you know, I'm here, right? Sound in his throat. How are things looking tonight, Mr. Pierce? Dick asked him. He liked to be called Dick. Big ol' swingin' dick. No one could touch him or his wife. Fuck that Rick shit. Who's dick. In your face, dick. See how anyone out here you need to kill? He joked like a supreme asshole. Mr. Pierce touched his walkie-talkie, giving a radio click to the guys inside the estate house. Looks beautiful as always, Mr. Callan, he replied, staying professional and surveying the lot beyond the black swaying shapes of the woods beyond. Fucking moron, Dick thought, heading back towards the house. It was about time for some Viagra and some fun with Mrs. Callan. Let the hired help clean up the mess, he thought, walking up the stone steps to the large double doors at the back of the house, and then on into his spacious home. The hired help would do whatever they were paid to do, at least marginally. But he liked lording over them, strolling about, giving them an appraising stare, whether it was packaging them leftovers they ended up throwing in the trash or wiping down countertops or cleaning toilets. Up the broad staircase, taking a moment to flick the nose of a horse carved at the top of the railing, like he always did, he went over towards the little room where the cameras, alarms, and the heavy-duty safe were housed. He didn't say anything to the guard stationed there. The guard just sat looking at various screens, down on something on a clipboard, and hanging on a peg near a simple desk where she sat. Good night, Mr. Callan, the guard said to Dick, zero feeling behind the statement. <laughs> Douchebag. Dick thought, heading down a long hallway to the master bedroom. Into the room, he closed and locked the door, heading towards the bathroom where his beloved boner pills sat waiting. Shirley! He calls out, wondering where his wife was. The reply was a moan. Once into the bathroom, he found his wife, a twenty-something blonde, pushing her ass back against a dildo stuck to the shower door. Oh, God, 
We got so much money from those morons, she murmurs, looking back over her shoulder at the broad, paunchy body of her old man. The rich get richer, Dick comments, watching down two of the blue pills with the remaining two fingers of booze he had in his glass. Hurry up and get in here, Shelly says, slamming her ass back against the door. Don't break the fucking door, Dick scorns, moving to remove his clothes. Who cares? We can buy a million doors, Shelly says, sliding her body out the length of silicone and then opening the door, letting out pleasantly warm steam and inviting in her husband with a bite of her lower lip. That's true, he replies, stepping into slippery warmth in more ways than one. Dr. Perry Falls, the emote. Perfect. What did I walk into? Because I'm excited. You walked into the little brief uh, bathroom scene there. Uh, this is a story I'm writing. I'm doing some narration today. The house had gone mostly dark, lit only by hooded security bulbs and the little red-blue-green LEDs from various panels and electronic devices. Mr. Pierce had patrolled the lot for the next several hours, stopping for a cigarette and a conversation about hockey with the other guard assigned to the perimeter, a ruddy-faced guy named Tony. Guy always seemed to have some sort of chip on his shoulder and seemed like he was just waiting for an opportunity to kill someone. It made Mr. Pierce, Mike, uncomfortable. The other thing that began to make Mike uncomfortable was his view out the side gate. Normally, it was peaceful looking out the old field and the woods beyond, but tonight there was a bright full moon, he swore more than once he saw something moving out there. Like a reflection of eyes. He knew what the reflection of an animal's eyes looked like, and this wasn't it. Somehow it was different. Not that it really mattered, unless it was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. There's no way an animal is going to get in here. The Cowns had a lot of people who, <clears throat> to put it bluntly, hated them. So good security made good sense. There was again. Gave Mike the creeps. Something briefly flickered out from the woods. He reached down and gave two Mike clicks. A moment later, Veronica, the woman who'd taken over in the security booth, responded, Control, go ahead. There's something out in the woods, he replied, craning his neck to see what it was. Veronica switched to the external cameras, making sure the recording feeds were live, and then using a little joystick to move the camera, first over to Mike, and then up, so she could see the adjoining field and the woods beyond. Nothing on feed, her voice came over the radio. Go straight up from the gate, uh, up to the tree line, and then about ten degrees over to the left, Mike came back in the booth. Stillness. Just a breeze and the gaze of the moon. But then he saw that flicker of something, like light, like a reflection. He clicked his mic. Veronica saw it on the camera. It was a flash that momentarily looked like it blocked out the whole camera feed. It might be someone flashing the cameras with laser or IR. It totally whited the feed for a moment, she added Tony to the conversation. Tony, do you have anything from your side of the property? Any lights, any movement? No, why, was the curt response. Stand by, Veronica answers, then continuing to watch Mike and the feed of the camera. He didn't know why he did it, but Mike opened the gate and then closed it behind himself, stepping out into the field. 
What are you doing? Veronica asks over the radio. It might be just some stupid kid fucking around, but I'm going to check it out. Well, you got me clear on feed. The first time I'm in trouble, just hit the red button. Go silent until I click you back, he says. A moment later, the mic just makes a click in acknowledgement. Tony, backcheck Mike's side of the yard, but stay at your post, Veronica says over the channel to the bull-necked guard, getting a mic click back in response. The grass, weeds, and scrub made shushing sounds against Mike's pants as he traveled cautiously across the field. He had turned his own mic up to maximum gain and crouched just a bit, angling to the right and trying to keep an eye on where the light had been coming from, but making sure to check to make sure no one's hiding off to the side of the gate, in the weeds, or inside the tree line. He'd started to sweat slightly. For some reason, the closer he got to the woods, the more nervous he became. He'd been in combat before, but this is different. Something deep inside of him was telling him to run and not take another step towards the darkness of the trees. Yet he advanced. There was something there. Something was different than the lines of trunks and branches, not quite the same shape of bushes and brambles. Slowly reached down and unholstered the pistol he had on his belt, holding it low and at the ready further towards the tree line until he crossed it, being very slow, very quiet, letting his eyes adjust to the next level of darkness where the moon was muted by the leaves above. Whatever the shape was, it didn't seem to notice him as it stayed motionless there nestled in the foliage. Raising the pistol, a small ultra-bright flashlight in his other hand, he says, Whoever you are, move very slowly, and then clicks on the flashlight. Veronica watched the camera feeds, seeing Mike crossing the field slowly, carefully, until he disappeared just inside the line of trees. She clicked Tony. Tony clicked back. All quiet. A few moments later, she saw the illumination of Mike's flashlight inside the woods, casting unfriendly and undiscernible shadows. The light stayed steady. No gunshots, no sudden shaking of the light, nothing that would indicate any movement. A bead of sweat ran down the back of her neck. Everything still. Can somebody please ban that fucking idiot? Get the fuck out of here, jack off. Fucking lax barb. Fucking loser. Fucking idiot. Fuck out of here, you stupid bullshit. Thanks, mods. Thanks, Desi. Tony, something's going on in the east side of the property. Check the side gate, but be careful. I can't reach Mike, but I don't know if it's just a comms problem, she radioed to the other guard. Piece of shit, Tony said back over the radio. She could see him moving across the interior yard, removing his pistol from his holster. Focusing back on the feed that was pointed towards the woods, she saw something leaving the darkness of the tree line. It was hard to make out who exactly it was in the darkness of the night as the clouds had rolled in front of the moon, making it pitch black beyond. Tony, someone's approaching. Stay inside the yard, Veronica commands. She wanted to hit the red button, but knew there'd be hell to pay if it ended up being Mike on return. On the screen, she talked Tony walking around the swimming pool, his head checking both directions in front of him occasionally. The figure that had left the woods continued to cross the field 
She still couldn't quite tell if it was Mike or not, so she waited for Tony to get a better visual. Tony kept off to the side, looking at an angle so he wasn't standing in a direct sight line through the gate into the field and woods beyond. As he reached the wall, he radioed back, I don't see anything, to which Veronica immediately replied, approaching south side of the yard, still moving towards you. Then that flash lit up the camera feed again, and as the flash faded, she heard Tony yell in hysterics over the radio, What the fuck is that? and saw something on the camera that made her scream out loud and hit the red button several times in panic. Dick had been sound asleep, his wife's head on the crook of his shoulder when he was wrenched awake by sounds and lights. In the haze of post-sleep, he took a moment to process what had woken him up. Gunshots and the howling of an alarm. His alarm. Emergency lights had flicked on, the red hue coloring everything in a crimson shade. Beside him, Shelley woke up as well and shot straight up. What's going on? She exclaimed, her eyes wide and staring at the door to their bedroom, then turning towards her husband. I don't know, but someone's hit the alarm button. We need to stay here. The door is reinforced. Just, just be quiet. He hiss whispers and squirms over to the bedside table and unlocks the top drawer with his thumbprint. Inside was a brilliant nickel-plated 1911 with pearl grips. It was a weapon he was familiar with had history with. He didn't need to check if it was loaded. It was always loaded. He clicks off the safety and retrieves a second magazine, sliding out of the bed and kneeling down on the floor next to it. Come here. Get behind me, back in the corner, he says to Shelley, who clambers her nude body over and off to the side, back and behind her husband. All the while, there'd been shouts and intermittent gunfire, the sounds of crashing from elsewhere in the house. The police would be on their way. All they had to do was hold out until reinforcements arrived. And then the alarm ceased its klaxon. Then the emergency lights went off. Then all the lights went off, which was a surprise since the diesel generator and a concrete shed outside should have kicked in. <laughs> Shelley was panting from the corner. Dick was sweating naked where he crouched, the pistol aimed at the doors to the bedroom. There was a sound, a certain feeling of pressure, something pressed against the doors. So Dick fired the pistol in an expert group directly in a semicircle near the handle, reloaded swiftly. Shelley was making a whimpering, mewling sound where she had puddled into the corner. The flashes of the gunfire were bright in the darkness. The still darkness where suddenly nothing seemed to move, both of them straining to see the aftermath of Dick's artillery barrage. As their eyes adjusted, they could see that the door was open. Not wide, but open. Whether it was from the gunfire or someone had pushed through it, it's hard to tell. Shelley wanted to say something, but instead all she made was a little sound in her throat, her heart racing and her breath coming in rapid pants. Dick licked sweat from his upper lip and kept laser-focused on the door. Shelley saw something staring at her with an unearthly gaze from under the bed. A moment before whatever it was, grabbed Dick by the legs and savagely yanked him up and under into the darkness with a yell. The peace of unconsciousness hugged Shelley. Dick cough vomited water and awoke from whatever blow had also delivered him into temporary darkness. 
Flailing his arms, gasping for breath, he realized he was out in the yard, his head yanked back and out from the cold water of the swimming pool. Whoever it was threw knocked him aside onto the concrete where he sprawled, naked flesh scraping against the rough texture of the cement. Gagging, he brought himself to his knees in the darkness of the yard and tried to look back at whomever had accosted him. When a foot kicked him in the ass so hard, it made him crack his head on the ground, splitting open his brow and clacking his false teeth together. Unconsciousness threatened him again until a feeling of weightlessness and cold air revived him. He'd been lifted off the ground and then set back down on his feet and roughly turned around by the shoulders, a powerful grip keeping him from falling down once more. He looked into the face of a thing. It stared at him with eyes that burned a hatred he couldn't comprehend in a face that was beyond reason, but that he somehow recognized. In the distance, the sirens of emergency vehicles echoed their warning approach. Real pillars of strength, the thing said in a watery voice. Dick spit out more acrid bile and then tried to escape from the thing's grasp, but it shook him steadily in place and lifted him painfully off the ground by the flesh of his shoulders. For the love of community, the thing said again to him like it wanted to spit the words into his soul. Choking, coughing, Dick finally found his voice. It was, it was just business. Nothing personal. Blood running down his face and mixing with the puke on his belly and legs. It wasn't possible. This wasn't possible, Dick thought to himself in a stunned haze. Everything is personal, the thing gurgled, and then lifted Dick even higher off the ground grabbed him between the legs with one arm, turned him upside down, and pile-drove him headfirst down onto the concrete, hard enough to crush Dick's skull into a mush and shatter his collarbone and spine, rendering the man a broken mess. When the police arrived soon afterwards, they found Shelley tearing at her hair, sobbing and rocking back and forth over the half of her husband's body, that hadn't been reduced and rendered into what looked like dog food and kicked into the pool. Multiple dead bodies, carnage in the house, bullet holes. Whatever bad business Dick had done, it had caught up with him. Whether corporation or cartel, someone must have had some serious business with the man. Strangely, the safe in the control room of the bedroom hadn't been touched. Now, such are pillars of strength and community. Even they can be shaken to the earth. Thank you so much to everybody who is sitting here listening. We have Dr. Perry Falls who stopped by. And Free Range Rude, uh, Free Range Rude, excellent streamer, very nice individual. Please stop by and give her a follow. Uh, Insulin Fool says, bang, bang. Yeah, for the love of community insulin says oh man these stories are great i gotta head home well dude thank you so much for stopping by as always uh really appreciate it um yeah we're gonna continue to read this until we get to where we stopped last time so we got a little bit more of this but we're gonna keep going um yeah shorty that's a pretty that's a pretty bad way to go right 
you know, I, I feel like I really don't want to be uh, turned upside down and just crushed into the concrete. Uh, I'm going to get a quick little bit of water. One second. Good night, Insolent. Thank you so much. Continuing on. High Rise. When Jessica got home, she threw her things on the counter and fought back her inclination to destroy her kitchen. She was as close to actually doing it as she'd been to killing the security guard, Ed, in the parking lot. That would have been curtains for him. A gentle old man whose heart had been broken was only looking for some kindness and conversation over a cup of coffee. It infuriated her that she knew it would be only a matter of time before she got that close to the edge again. She felt helpless and alone, like she was left on some horrible stage with an audience staring at her saying, Get off! with disappointed glances. Her apartment, like her, was gorgeous and meticulous and a high rise of steel and glass and engineered perfection. She imagined someone toiling nights coming up with a thing of beauty, and in a sense it was, but cold, hard. Despite the precise beauty, an awful blight. That was how she felt as she walked through her kitchen of stainless steel appliances and tasteful art, seductive dim lighting and sleek black electronics. A blight in her own existence. Like her own appearance, the apartment's facade had the people she'd killed there and kept secret the horrible things she'd done within its walls. Jessica walked barefoot to the windows and looked down at the city that winked and twinkled lights from below. A city riddled with crime, torn by hopelessness. I know that feel, she whispered to the dark angles of the metropolis, her hands flat on the glass. Stepping away from the glass, she went to the bathroom, stripped down and prepared for a shower. Despite her perfume, despite her perfect skin, she felt dirty, filthy, disgusting. The water from the shower wasn't hot enough to remove the feeling, but at least the water would prevent anyone from seeing her cry. The sound of her cell phone ringing in the kitchen broke her melancholy if only for a moment and replaced it back with irritation. Squeezing water out of her ink-black fall of hair, she walked naked through her home and looked at the phone's screen, swiped up to take the call. I think we should talk, a familiar voice stated through the speaker. Muscles in her jaw clenched for a moment before she replied, When? Well, it's 1.30. How about just after 2? I'll have a drink ready for when you get here, the voice on the other end answered. She didn't bother responding and hung up the phone. Jessica finished up quickly in the bathroom. Makeup to highlight her eyes and lips, earrings that winked and diamond shined to contrast with her black hair. She decided to pull it all back into a sleek ponytail that swayed down the muscles of her back. Tasteful perfume on her naked skin, a simple black bra and a rather tight-fitting blue dress. Looked at her reflection for a moment, a faint frown on her lips, then made for the door, grabbing her purse as she left. 
She didn't bother to have her car brought out front and instead went to the garage and got into her Land Rover, rowing the vehicle to life and heading out for the club where she was hoping to get reassuring conversation and not just platitudes. It had rained in the city, the streets wet and looking sinister as she pulled out of the garage. As she drove, she spotted people hustling sex, hustling drugs, hustling whatever they could to survive. She spotted a hunched man near a box of chicken that looked like someone might have shit in it, his ragged hood gaze following her as she turned at a stoplight. It didn't take her long to reach her destination, and when she arrived, she stopped out front, got out of the vehicle, and handed her keys to a giant man wearing a black suit. She didn't need to pay for valet service, as she was a revered guest of the place and didn't leave a tip. His eyes on her ass as she walked past him was undoubtedly enough. The desk at the front didn't check her bags and just smiled and nodded as she walked through the second set of doors past two dour-looking men standing with their backs to the wall. What she had entered was tasteful chaos. The music wasn't so loud that you couldn't hear, but loud enough to hide private conversation. The bar was enormous and lit with various LED strips and lighted pucks that shone up through an endless supply of booze. Wine bottles rested in a heavy wooden cabinet with a brother cabinet presenting cigars and cigarettes. Of course, the city didn't allow smoking inside, yet half the tables had someone smoking one substance or another, the state-of-the-art air circulators drawing up the smoke and preventing the place from looking like an old pool hall. Some people danced. Some people drank. Some people ate. Most of them talked. Some looked like they were having the time of their life. Some looked like they had no life left. Jessica stopped at the bar and flexed her shoulders, her hair brushing against the small of her back as she eyed the bottles on display. A pretty young red-headed bartender recognized her and came over, a supplicating expression on her face. We're out of art big right now. I'm so sorry, Jessica, she said to her in an apologetic tone. Jessica put her hands in the bar and studied the row of bottles again for a moment. Nothing sounded good. Can you just send a bottle of blended red wine to my table? Jessica asked, knowing that the answer would be, certainly, from the woman who immediately went over to the wine cabinet. Turning, Jessica went to make her way to the far end of the place where she knew her contact would be waiting. Past shined railings and buzzy tables, eyes following her, men and women alike, she stopped one of the men carrying around cases and trays and got a pack of cigarettes and spotted Jason sitting with a blonde woman, the two of them engaging in close proximity conversation. Moving smoothly towards the table, she unwrapped the cigarettes and threw the wrapper on the floor, tapping the box against her hand to pack the tobacco. Opened the box, slid one of the smokes between her lips, and approached them. Can I get a light, or am I interrupting something, she said, eyeing the blonde woman with a gaze that might as well have been broadcast in ethereal letters that spelled, Get the fuck out of here. The blonde woman turned to Jessica and was about to speak before she read Jessica's expression and held her tongue. <clears throat> oh no, nothing of the sort, Jason replied and then patted the blonde woman's hand. Nothing that can't be finished later, he said, giving his fair-haired guest a signal that she should indeed go 
anywhere else. Gathering a red clutch, the blonde woman said, I'll see you later, babe, to Jason, stood, and then with a smile less than genuine, gave Jessica a dirty look as she slid back from the table and made her way around it. Your haircut sucks, Jessica said to the blonde woman, narrowing her eyes and smiling in predatory fashion. Sensing was what was about to happen, Jason interrupts them and says, Have a drink on me at the bar. She's just having a bad day, to the blonde woman who stormed off in a huff. <laughs> Does he? As Jessica slid into a seat at the table, Jason tried his best to be welcoming. Jessica, the poor thing is no threat to you. Why make trouble? As he held out an ornate silver lighter, flicking a flame to life. Jessica lit her cigarette and inhaled it deeply, welcoming the menthol burn and the feeling of the smoke. Well, you said it. I'm having a bad day, Jessica replied, focusing her deep blue eyes on Jason's face. Jason had a semi-dark complexion, a perfectly trimmed black goatee and sparkling dark eyes. His hair was tastefully cut and styled, his form clad in a stylish mix of casual and professional. Gray fabric that fit his toned shoulders and arms and contrasted with the dark red shirt he wore beneath, the top button undone and showing a gold chain that disappeared below. Jessica sat back on the chair and regarded him, tapping one of her long fingernails on the tabletop. I can tell that you're off. Is it business, anything that you need that hasn't been provided? He asked. Going to roll her eyes. The million dollar apartment and the luxury vehicles and all of that bullshit is just fine, she replied, seeing a bit of annoyance on his face as she disparaged the riches she'd been given. It's more a struggle of feeling. I'm not feeling this anymore. His eyes narrowed as he leaned forward about to speak, but she cut him off. I almost... Had an incident earlier today in my car in a parking lot. A, po a poor old man. A poor old man that didn't want anything other than conversation. And I, I... She couldn't find the words. So she took another drag on her cigarette, blowing out a blue cascade of smoke. A man who probably would have thanked you for giving him a final rest, Jason replied, his mouth turning to a saccharine smile. Look... I know it's not the most pleasant thing, but it's a thing you have to do to live, to embrace this gift that you've been given. A gift, she thought ruefully. Whatever it was lately, it didn't feel like a gift. It felt like a curse, she whispered just on the downside of Audible. What? Jason asked, leaning closer his hand reaching up to grasp hers on the tabletop. I, she stammered, looking away from him and back, just don't know if I can do this, do it anymore. Lately, I just keep thinking about, she said before he interjects. <clears throat> I know it's not easy. I know it can be unpleasant on the surface of it, but Definitely don't drive yourself to despair thinking about it too much. 
It's a hard thing to grasp to think, I am worth more than this person. But you are. What you found yourself a part of is wonderful. Glorious. He sensed that she was on the verge of a rebuttal, so he continued. Think about history. The history of the world. Greece, Rome, the Industrial Revolution. I'll even think, even think of Alfred Nobel who created dynamite. A substance that would alter the world forever. Passage through rock mining resources. Yes, it ended up being a weapon. And the people got hurt and got killed. But the price for progress, the price for greatness, is that those who walk on the grand golden side of the world have to make peace with the fact that there is a price to pay. That price is that people along the way are going to die, that there is no such thing as the world turning without it being a grinding wheel. It's nothing to be happy about. It's nothing to dismiss with a wave of the hand, but you cannot let yourself be crushed by that same wheel. He took her package of cigarettes, slid one out and lit it, smoking along with her watching her in the reflection of the lights in her eyes amidst the din of the place. As she considered his words, she wasn't quite sure that he was as convincing as he thought he was. The woman from the bar came by and placed a bottle on the table and two glasses. Enjoy, she said simply, sensing their conversation of some import, and then after a brief pause to see if they needed anything else, retreated back through the club. Jessica crushed out her cigarette in a silver ashtray and lit another, inhaling and then responding to Jason. What, what you're saying makes sense. I just don't know how or what I'm doing is so great to justify... She made a motion with her hand as if to say, you know. Jason poured wine for them both, hers first, then his and then swirling the red liquid in the glass, inhaled, drank, and then continued. In large corporations, consider workers don't often have much of an idea of how much value they provide. But that's, that's what management is for. That's what those on the board analyze. You're part of a team, a network. I'd say family, but that's so over, often overused to feel like people turn the nose at the word. But it, it, but it is a family. The clients you entertain, the image you present, even some of those you give rest, all of this contributes to and is part of what we are, what you are. I have many times felt myself having the same trepidations. Most all of us have at some time or another. It's a different kind of stress for a different kind of job. Her sensual lips curled a bit into a half-smile as she drank some of the wine in her glass. I suppose, she said. They smoked and drank for a bit as they watched the various other patrons in the place. I tell you what... Jason said, taking his glass and finishing the rest of the contents, dragging the cigarette and then crushing it out in the same ashtray. I'll see if I can get a meeting, a talk with one of the higher-ups, see if we can get you something more substantial in terms of an answer, a goal. Do you think 
That might help you. That, she realized, did sound like what she needed. Jason, she replied with an edge of appreciative allure, that would mean so much to me. She dragged her long black ponytail over her shoulder and leaned closer to him, attracted to his assurance, his confidence, and she had to add, his handsome face. Like Shorty's. He smiled back at her and touched her shoulder. All right, then. I'll see what I can do, but in the meantime, don't be so hard on yourself, okay? He said and gave her shoulder a bit of a squeeze. So they enjoyed some wine, enjoyed some more smokes, and Jessica felt sitting in the place, calmed down, reassured that all the things she had done and might do weren't so bad, all in all. Again, thank you, Jessica said to Jason, leaning in close and giving him a kiss on the temple. Keep in touch. We're always here for you, he said, giving her a goodbye smile as she rose from the table. Not one for long goodbyes, she went back through the place, looking to finish one last little piece of business before she could rest well that night. The blonde woman was sitting at the bar, talking to a handsome older man. Jessica walked over into behind her and placed a hand on her shoulder and leaned in close to the woman's ear. While the blonde woman reacted in surprise, trying to turn or squirm away or recoil, Jessica's nails dug into her prey's skin, the strength of her arm holding the woman in place. You ever give me a dirty look again? You ever do anything? Then get on your knees and beg before me, and I'm going to rip that shitty haircut off your head with the scalp included. Understand? Jessica hissed in a low, threatening voice tinged with bitter syrup. You stupid fuck! The woman began, cut off as Jessica clutched deeper into her skin, crushing her down into her seat and knocking her head a bit against the woman's head. Okay, fine, fine, you're crazy, just leave me alone, the woman adds. The older man had made a move to intercede, but the red-headed bartender put a hand on on put a hand on his and slid him a refill of his drink and mouth. Leave it alone to the man, who immediately understood and instead just sighed as the two women next to him struggled. Just watch yourself, Jessica finished, giving the woman an insulting kiss devoid of any sort of care to the woman's temple. Releasing her grasp on the blonde woman's shoulder, she strode back through the club, exuding style, sex, class, and power. Eyes averted as she passed, given her sinister smile, she continued through the place and out to the front of the valet stand. My car, she said to the same man that had taken her keys. Certainly, the man replied and took a key from a locked board near the stand and went to retrieve her car. Once her vehicle purred up next to her, she bid the man goodnight and slid into the driver's seat, heading back to her apartment. As she headed down the street, she glanced at the strip clubs and liquor stores, the other creatures of the night conducting business and making their way amongst the wet concrete of the city. Passing by several people huddled, huddled together around a dumpster, one of the dark, obscured figures seemed to watch her as her vehicle passed. 
While waiting for a light, she checked in her rearview mirrors and noticed that the group had gone. There was a small splinter in her mind. Something seemed off. But she was tired and feeling good otherwise, so she pushed it out of her head and went home, where perfect glass and steel greeted her and led her to slumber. So there we are. That's the full rest of the reading of everything that we've got so far. So you're up to date. If you wish to either hear that again, you can listen to the VOD or the podcast version of this will be available uh, in about 24 hours. So that's going to do it for the night. It's a really long episode, but I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody that stopped by. Had a great full house today. Krista, Black Cat, King Dinosaur, um, Moogle87, Shorty Straw, Desi's Butt, Dr. Perry Falls, uh, Insolent Fool, uh, Meow the Cat, Meow the Cat was here. Um, boy, had so many fun people here tonight. Uh, Hazuki's Revenge, This Fool's Life was also here. Um, yeah, just had a, a great group of folks here tonight. Uh Always makes me happy to read and narrate some stuff uh, for you guys. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun. Um, Shorty says, impressive that you can keep reading like that. <laughs> oh, and Dr. Danzig is here. Everybody, follow Dr. Danzig. Dr. Danzig is here. He's been doing a lot more streaming lately. Please give him a follow. I uh, would really appreciate that. And, and give a follow to Shorty Straw as well. Uh, super nice guy. Looks like Carrie always has a phenomenal beard. God, he's just gorgeous. And he has a, a fucking great voice. He's a great fucking voice. Um, Shorty, I think you owe me at least a reading of some old NES uh, instruction manual. So you can just so you can just read me to sleep so that I can get some good rest. That's not how he talks. It sounds like kind of like an old man. It's really weird. God damn it, cigar oil. <laughs> uh, but that's going to uh, do it for today, as we say at the end of all of our episodes, regardless of whether it's a long or a short one. Stay safe, keep the faith, and all that good shit, and get yourselves some rest, okay? Um, probably see you guys again Monday. Monday's going to be a crazy fucking day for me. So I imagine that's going to be a a crazy episode if we do it. Uh, May do some gaming streaming later on this week. Who knows? Who can tell? But uh, until then, take care, everyone out there. Love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Good night. (laughs) 